0: Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirt, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, I, like with a T. So I was like, why there a dude named Dirt in the league?" And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So.
1: It's Mike, it's Jake, it's the four-pointer, an exactly 40-minute episode. What are you, Tony (laughs) Rialli? Yeah. I'm going to need the the buzzer to go off, and then I'm going to make my one last great point, and then we're going to jump to the next topic, because that's what people love. Um, Yeah, so episode number 20, which I'm realizing at this moment, after I labeled the last one incorrectly, uh, 28 and 42 are the vitals, 28 up, 42 down. We have officially been eliminated from a playoff contention, which is a bit of a bummer, but as you might imagine, there is still a lot to talk about. Uh, Here's where the tease goes in the show. We're going to talk about Dirk passing Wilts. We're going to talk about Kristaps to play or not to play. And then I have uh, some more heady topics that I just wrote down that I've been chewing on while watching Mavs basketball over the last week or two um, in terms of, I think I have a theory about centers and how they're about to be treated by the NBA, uh, and then a couple of big questions that will be more about heading into next off-season roster building and the like. Jacob, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I
0: uh, I wrote about Chris Stapps a lot last night. Yes. After the game, so I went to bed at like four, but <laughs> that's a good way to really not care about losses is to just go watch clips of Porzingis on offense. Mm-hmm. probably do defense next week and draw it out so i can feel really happy
1: when writing about the mavericks for two straight weeks yeah what are we two and 12 last 14 something like that yeah, it's 13 out of 15 loss 13 out of 15 uh the on-court basketball Lucas didn't play in one of them yeah and lucas <laughs> set one of them out which i don't know that's one of the questions i'll get to a little bit later but our son is he's a little tired he's a little banged up a little mental fry going on um you can tell for our for our large adult son but uh He's fighting through it. I mean, still put up a triple-double last night in what I would not uh, consider one of his best games or most efficient games, but still has a lot of superpowers going. Um, All right, so let's just dive into hot topics. Uh, Passing Wilt Chamberlain in anything basketball related absolutely freaks me out, and I'm glad, I don't know. Now that I'm working for the team and I'm producing a lot of content that uh, the team puts out there, I kind of got over this a week or two ago whenever I realized it's actually going to happen. Because heading into this season, it was like, hey, is our big guy going to play enough games to get past Wilt's? Is this going to be a-, a fun time? Or are we going to go, oh, man, you finished your career 10 points shy of Wilt Chamberlain for sixth all-time again. And uh, he is demanding to be called Mr. Six now. He, t- <laughs> he told us this morning. <laughs> I was like, did you say Mr. Sex? No, no, that's Mr. still Wilt. Mr. Six uh, is what Dirk is demanding to be called at this moment in time, at least today. It might change tomorrow in Portland. But passing Wilt Chamberlain or anything related to basketball is just insane. And I thought the moment was really cool last night. I didn't want it to happen Saturday night in the fourth quarter of a game against uh, probably the second worst team in basketball in the Cavs, who clearly have um, started – Trekking the tank down the uh, the obstacle course and through all the barriers, it felt like a Monday thing that should have happened. And luckily, uh, he left us four points and knocked it off. And um, another really awesome Dirk moment. And the dude gave us like twenty minutes in post game. And um, to think that that dude has scored more points than Wilt Chamberlain and is only behind five guys. Uh, we did this a couple years ago, obviously, when he jumped into sixth and then they got passed by LeBron again. But as you start ticking off the dudes, even though you're getting lapped by one individual and probably Kevin Durant here pretty quickly, um, it's still an awesome moment. And I thought the athletic coverage was really good last night. Uh, Theathletic.com, uh, Cato, and, and S- I always say his name wrong, mm-hmm. Um But uh, just being better than Walt Chamberlain, I think my exact feelings last night was. Being better than Wilt Chamberlain is like being cooler than David Bowie. I didn't know it was a thing that could happen.
0: Yeah, and it's weird too because I don't, you know, I probably need to learn. One thing I'm going to do this off season is I'm going to watch the entire that entire uh, for the love of basketball documentary. Yeah, that's what it was called, right?
1: Uh, that's the book. I don't know if the documentary is called the same thing. I've got the book that's called um, Basketball a Love Story. Is it the same thing? That's Macmillan, what I'm of. The yeah, yeah, history. Yeah, 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 I've got that. I can let you borrow though book it's pretty rad
0: so i probably don't like properly understand and and well and the hundred point Wilt. game never
1: happened that's all that's all <laughs>
0: conspiracy there yeah i kind of think so i saw someone today uh-huh. um did, did you have like in in school like in journalism school did you have professors who would tell you about like how great hunter s thompson and gay talise and all these dudes who did <laughs> yeah. like long form and i saw some tweet today I think it might've been from Tim Marchman where there was a quote where gay to was decrying the use of the tape recorder. It was like, <laughs> "Oh, reporter or, you know, people who are writing features have just turned into stenographers. And he's like, the point I want to make here is nothing in any of these stories ever actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> They're all completely made up yeah. because there was no, um, so yeah, I, I, I am with you. I don't, I don't know that I buy that it happened, but I know this, I saw this tweet last night. I think Stein retweeted it. Um, Wilt dropped 43 in his NBA debut and won an MVP as a rookie.
1: That's insane. Dirk went 0
0: for 5 in his NBA debut and (laughs) averaged 8 points a game. Yeah. And Dirk has now passed him. So, uh, the thing that you'll never be able to pry from my cold, dead hands is that Dirk is the greatest career arc in the history
1: of sports. Yes. Yes completely agree because Jordan, Jordan's close I think I think Jordan
0: is close but I also think that the Jordan got cut from his high school thing team has been way overblown oh yeah uh I think he one he's just more gifted he's American mm-hmm. uh he had better teammates um and he was you know again he scored 29 a game in his for in his rookie season right so I'm not in, in any shape or form putting dirk in the same air as air jordan but i'm i am saying that his story is more interesting to me and it's more interesting Mm -hmm. than any north american sport athlete ever
1: yeah no i'd I'd agree with that and it probably wouldn't be quite as interesting if he had like five titles right no absolutely that's that's part of the charm of it right is the natural progression of okay win your first round series okay advance to the second round Okay, win a second-round series over the Kings. Okay, we're in the Western Finals now, and Dirk, you know, pops his leg against the Spurs. And then, okay, then we make the finals. Holy crap, guys, we're in the finals now. And then you get, you know, your block knocked off by Wade and Shaq, and then it's, well, is this ever going to happen again? I mean, I've listened to to almost every piece of audio of him that exists uh, that's pertinent over the last two or three weeks, and him saying that in 06 we just assumed we were going to go back to the finals every single year. And then it, it literally doesn't happen for five years. You're the one and done boys for a while. And then as you get back there, it's the same team. It's the same bad guy. But he's got more friends. Like yeah. he's, got, he's got a bigger crew with him. Uh, and the ultimate bad guy, which was LeBron at the time, you can't ride it any better. You just can't. And it actually freaking happened in front of us, and we got to watch every minute of it
0: yeah because like the Spurs story, if you think about it, if that was written into a book, it really wouldn't be all or to a movie, a treatment is what I call it. Mm, yeah it wouldn't be that interesting, yeah, I mean it the Spurs, I think, would be more interesting than maybe like the Bulls, just because the Spurs did have so many different people from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. pops, weird ass, but i don't I just don't think that sheer stem to stern dominance is near as like you would get that rejected. Yeah, um, well, the Spurs or organization
1: story would be fun, but not a singular player, right? Because right? like the Spurs, you could, you could, maybe Pop's story would be that interesting because you're like, holy crap, dude, you got David Robinson, you lucked into Tim Duncan the one year the draft was good, and then you found a way to circumvent not having a high pick by getting all these Euros that could play. The way that Pop has relearned and retaught himself basketball is an awesome story. It's an
0: awesome story, but there was never really like a massive fall flat on your face failure. Right. And there was never really all that tough of a start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you lose the Admiral and you lose a bunch of games, but you know he's coming back and you know you're getting the, the, the Duncan pick. But I don't know. I mean, even think about it in football, like maybe the Cowboys story of the 90s could go a long way because mm-hmm. they sucked so bad. They the Jimmy, the Jerry angle. But even then, it's football. It's not. Right. One player can't have the same like outsized impact and they can in basketball. So I think it ha- almost has to be basketball. And I think it has to be someone who had just the right amount of success and failure. Right. And then the symmetry of it is the one team. It it just it doesn't make any sense.
1: No, it's it's the greatest individual sports story outside of maybe. I don't. Know, I don't know. Some people might rank like. Tiger Woods or somebody up there. Of just I think like,
0: you'd have to add in, like, Jackie Robinson or something yeah. that had, like, a social angle to top right. Dirks, especially because of the Euro thing. Tiger, the Tiger thing is interesting, but he would need to win again.
1: Yeah, he'd need to come back. This is like, I mean, it's, it's cinema. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the freaking Dark Knight or something like that. It's, like, the greatest story ever told. It's, like, Shakespearean, what he's gone through and his last couple of years getting to go out on his own terms and achieve what he wanted to in 30K – And then now getting back up to sixth, fighting through a season when, I mean, he was on one leg for a long time and then having a setback with the flare up with the ankle and still playing well enough to get minutes and do what he did last night.
0: I thought it was interesting too in season four of the show whenever they brought in uh, Steve Buscemi, aka Chandler Parsons. <laughs> that was really weird. <laughs> just go back through the story weird. arc and yeah. think, think of the times where they brought in one season characters that we were like, Oof.
1: man, we could do a whole <laughs> episode on random guys he's played like yeah, six, six games with."
0: Yeah, that for sure. But just just go through and look at uh, go go through and look at when we all of a sudden had Monte. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what
1: the hell, yep, Monte. Yeah okay yeah sam dallen starting center for a hot minute there like yeah i mean Dirk transcends all to me and just uh getting closer to the guy than i was before i worked with a team i'm like what a model human like he is top five human to me just the stuff he does and how good he is at his profession and how insane i don't know it's someone that's clearly um a workaholic and and work obsessed and obsessed with sports in this industry uh seeing somebody else that you know he's super talented but you don't get to to Dirk's peak without an obsessive like not to be uh not to be I don't even know what the word it would uh categorizing him into a corner basically but the German way of being obsessed about something
0: Yeah, no, that's very true. That's part of it. That's a huge
1: part of it. And Maxie's the same way. Like, it's just how they are raised. They are raised differently. Um, And just being like he's going to kill himself. Like, he's going to drive himself into the ground uh, if he doesn't achieve this one thing. And that's what's so cool about it. And, uh, yeah, so last night passing Wilt was pretty powerful to me. Um, All right, so... Chris Kristaps Porzingis has said a lot of weird things over the last week. Um, it feels like he's ramping up basketball activity. I'm just going to tell you the facts <laughs> that I as I see them, because I'm not saying the guy's going to play this season. I'm not saying uh, he he won't. I I don't I don't know where his headspace is. I don't know what the behind the scenes plan is. I don't have. I'm not privy to any of that information. What I know is what the conversations I've seen in front of me in a press conference-type gathering. Um, What he said on TV, the facts of him ramping up his training from a three-on-three, from private workouts to three-on-three to five-on-five, and to now just being a regular part of practice and trying to get into basketball shape, seems extremely odd to me. Yeah. For a dude that is not going to play meaningful basketball for five months. And I never understood the plan whenever he got traded here. Well, it does help if you go
0: back and read some of the reports from New York that I think even maybe in December, they said he was going to be reevaluated in Mm -hmm. mid-February. And he got here before mid-February. Right, he got here the first, right? So it might have been weird that they said right away that he wasn't going to play, but I I don't really think the more I looked into it that it was that weird that he wasn't playing in New York, Mm -hmm. even though there's a lot of thought out there that he would have been if they were competitive or if he wasn't pissed off at the organization. I'm not sure. Because back in December, before the year wasn't totally nuked for them, he had already said, they had already said that this is going to be something we talk about again in mid-February. Yeah. So there is that.
1: And the first five-on-five five practice was exactly 13 months after his ACL surgery. Uh, I guess last week was the first five-on-five five practice. These are starting to run together. But I guess it was last week was exactly 13 months almost to the day that the ACL injury, and anybody that has a uh, internet access can Google how long it takes to recover from an ACL. It's usually 8 to 12 months.
0: I watched that injury last night. I don't know if his? you've seen the yeah. play.
1: Yeah, I've seen the play. Yeah, I was like, just looking at balance, how
0: yeah. weird his, like, he moves really a ton off the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's just like foot in the paint, back up to the free throw line, back to the paint, back to the free throw line, catch, and now there's the lane is just completely vacated and he one-footed it and threw it down against Milwaukee and then just immediately. Yeah. It was it, weird, man. It didn't really look that bad. It kind of concerns me. Yeah. Because it was so –
1: Kind of like a non, non, looking. non-contact type thing. Completely. Yeah. It's It was and, a great play. Yeah. And so it's been 13 months since the ACL surgery, not since the injury. And if you, you can just look on WebMD, 18 to 12 months – or 8 to 12 months is normal timeline – Um. If, if the thinking is, so right now, I think the only person, and it's the most important person I would say, that is driving the don't play this year, we've said we're not going to play this year, we're sticking to not playing this year. The only person in the room that's echoing that sentiment and driving that, that narrative is his brother, from what I understand. It's Giannis Porzingis, his agent, his brother, his, his manager, his, you know, his guy. Because he's said repeatedly, I mean, the last two weeks it's gotten really hot, but I mean, even since his day one, he was kind of like, I don't, don't know why I'm not playing right now. Um, There's not any risk to not playing. I want to get out there, et cetera. And he might just be putting on, you know, just playing media. But from my understanding, it's his brother who came up with the, we're not playing this year. We're going to work on your body uh, type game plan. And if that was the plan, that's fine. That's understandable as well.
0: But what would the logic be behind that to, to make sure that you can sign before you have to expose yourself to risk again? What do you mean? Of him playing? Of him not playing. Um, they say work on your body, but I yeah. mean also
1: – he need. I mean, he needed to bulk up and do a lot of work. I don't know if he thought that if he would have played out the entire season last year, if he would have spent the entire summer doing it, yeah. if that was like already the plan. Um, I think he acknowledged that to be, I mean, he was borderline MVP caliber the first couple months of season before this one, before he got hurt, like he was incredible. He was like 29 points, like 12 rebounds, like two or three blocks. Like he was nuts. And so I don't know what the, the, it wasn't like he was failing. You know what I mean? It's not like a flashpoint where like you need to pause and get all your stuff together and get your body in order. Like his body was apparently fine enough to be MVP caliber. But maybe that was the plan going into that summer anyway. And then in this just added another wrinkle of, okay, let's get perfectly right. Let's get super strong. Let's get bouncy and see what that does to your game. But I don't I don't know the theory behind not playing. Besides the fact that you've got major issues with the Knicks and you never want to help the Knicks win a basketball game again because how they treated you.
0: Yeah, but then once you get here and you are positive that the Mavs are going to sign you, mm-hmm. I feel like it would... And then I don't think this is entirely... Just nothing. I think the Dirk angle is something for sure. I mean, I think we're all fairly certain. That we feel like he's probably gonna gonna ride off, and you can't. There's. I don't think you could convince me that there's so much risk in him playing in one or two games, so that he's on the floor with Dirk and he has that moment that that he would just not do it if he's fully healthy. Right. So I don't know. I and so I'm, the
1: the risk is obviously re injury, right? Or which I don't really think is a thing. And then the other part of that is, okay, you don't play well or you're super rusty. Well, to me, the positives that can come out of him playing with Luka and Dirk, number one, it's, okay, these three guys playing together for the only time in the history of the NBA that that it can possibly happen. I mean, he is obsessed with Dirk. Yeah. I don't think people understand. If If you can go on YouTube and find the NBA Africa game from like two or three years ago, where he's like a little chubby faced KP and he's getting just to shoot hoops with Dirk and play with him and how much he's freaking out. Like it's, it's pretty powerful and you get a sense of something outside of the normal, you know, just, ah, oh, yeah, that guy's a legend, blah, 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 that type of crap. Um, and him getting to play with Luca and Dirk, just imagine the freaking hype train that that starts. If you're out there with Luca, dude, dude, They run one pick and roll and KP dunks. Like that thing will be seen by every (laughs) single NBA fan. It would be a nice pitch. And it would be a very powerful message to free agents this summer who might become Dallas Mavericks or be interested in becoming Dallas Mavericks that, oh my God, these guys are incredible. I want to be a part of that.
0: Well, my thing on him was just looking at, how he got to 22.8 points because i gotta be honest you know i would watch you know the nba show with you know on nba tv or ESPN and highlights and if the knicks were on i would watch them but i am not watching full knicks games right i mean i'm just that's just not last year i was not doing that uh so you see the 39.5 percent from three and you see the uh 4.8 threes a game and you see the 2.4 blocks a game, which the list of players who have done that is is—it's uh, just him. Yeah, it's, it is one. There's no one else who's ever taken that many threes, hit at that rate, and blocked the same number of shots. And so you think, okay, he's 7'3". A lot of the highlights I see of him, he's either posting people up or he is, you know, hitting from the corner. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I realize, like, he plays like a wing. His the amount that he's moving, if I just went through and pulled up like every single one of his like threes from mm-hmm. that year or every single one of his Oh, his
1: off the dribble stuff was leaps and bounds better year two than year one. It's off the dribble. It's his
0: catch and shoot. He has a for a guy that size. That doesn't it, happen. His shot is quicker than Dirk's. Yeah. And it looks right. Mm-hmm. And it's just super smooth. And you know the Mavericks don't run a ton of post ups, and I wouldn't expect them all of a sudden next year to go up from seventeenth in post ups all that much. But if you need a bucket, and you can draw even like the slightest mismatch, although really everybody is a mismatch, he's getting a bucket in the in the post. Yeah. So, I mean, he gets fouled a ton in the post. He doesn't turn it over in the post. Uh, he moves a ton without the ball. Like I think I looked at guys six seven and taller. Uh, and he had like the fifth most amount of offensive ground covered. Uh, the catch and shoot is ridiculous. I mean, if you pull up just the guys that he ranks near in both catch and shoot jumpers and in um he shots was,
1: off of screens. He was second behind only like Curry, I think, in catch and shoots for some some minimum number I found. Yeah,
0: I probably didn't use the same one, but the 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 one that I'm using, Curry is definitely one, but Chris Stapps is eleventh. But it's mm-hmm. it's Buddy Healed, Kyle Corver, Joe yeah. Ingalls. Uh, Tatum, who shot like forty-five percent from three last year, somehow Reggie Bullock, who shot like forty-three percent from three last year, like shooters. Yeah, and then off of screens, it's the same group: it's Korver, Curry, Otto Porter, Joe Ingles, Reddick, Buddy Heald, Joe Harris, Klay Thompson, and Kristaps Porzingis. Mm-hmm. And the craziest thing is, is that open catch and shoot jumpers, and uh, well, let's just start there. The Mavericks, as we've talked about all year, do a great job of generating those. I think they're Mm -hmm. up to fifth in the percentage of their shots, catch-and-shoot jumpers that are considered unguarded. Now They don't hit them at all, especially now, but they do generate a ton of them. The Knicks generate none. (laughs) I mean, I think they were 29th. So you're talking about taking something where Porzingis is super, super effective, guard effective, on good team guard effective, and that his team was only able to do 5 6 7 8% of the time and then putting him in the Mavericks offense where they can do that 18 19 20% of the time dude if he's healthy i i think he could i think he can approach 30 a night yeah. because he had at 22 4 he's playing in a bad offense with bad teammates getting him fairly inefficient looks that he's still getting the 22 uh, almost 23 points i don't think it's crazy at all to think that he can be 26, 27 a night next year.
1: Yeah, I guess it just depends on minutes. It depends um, on minutes, and it
0: depends on how much does he got a better teammate, but does his better teammate want the ball? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't really have a point guard. I mean, they were running most of their action through Jarrett Jack. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They just didn't. I mean, they're Nilekina, um, <laughs> Moutier, Moutier. Yeah. yeah. So, I, just, I don't think you can say enough about taking – how that he was able to make an all-star team. And certainly being in New York played into a part of that. But being in New York didn't play into his numbers. Mm-hmm. I would say if it did play into his numbers, it depressed them. So he's around bad teammates in a bad system. Switches to about as different of a system with a guy who can get you the ball where you want it and get you open. Maybe better than anybody in the league right now. And I think he's going to be a real problem.
1: Like the shot creation numbers were... Pretty much like Paul George esque, yeah, like you think you think a wing, yeah, whenever you see if you just took the raw numbers and like put them next to a a group of five other players and you're like, these are all wings, this is what wings do, shot creation, positive shot creation from the wing, and then you're like, well, one of these dudes is seven three, yep, and can create a shot whenever he wants and protect the rim like a uh, a top five, better than anybody and not named Rudy gobert,
0: and I didn't even really get that far into the rim. I didn't do it at all. I just figured his. we have so much time, and I'm so not interested in the current games outside of Dirk that we'll do offense this week and defense next week, and I was blown away by how much he moves without the ball. Basically, he's already a better off-ball guard than Dennis was. (laughs) Like, the things they wanted Dennis to do coming off curls and flash nope, like, he already does that.
1: Yeah. I think just my honest read of it, I think the dude really, really is gonna to push to play this year. I think he wants to get out there. He understands the positive that he and Luca and Dirk playing together for at least a handful of minutes will have, and how insane the NBA atmosphere will get if he just steps foot on a court. Yeah, um, and I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. And he said in the uh, the first press, not even whatever you want to call it, media. After scrum. Practice, yes scrum that he doesn't see any risk in playing and so if it's an internal struggle between him and his brother or whatever it is and it's not even a struggle it's just we said we're going to do this this is how we're approaching it no one needs you know i'm not insinuating anyone's angry at anybody anybody else or you know there's any uh
0: it's just a conversation
1: yeah it's just a conversation. Um it's just a difference in philosophy. And this is what we said we're going to do. And I, I told you, you were going to get antsy at this time of the year. And now you're getting antsy at this time of the year. Remember this, listen to this recording of yourself from six months ago, uh, type of deal. But I think he really, really wants to play this year. And if it's at all, at all possible, I feel like it's going to happen. Uh, it would be wild. It'd be insane. And it's not just him. I mean, if it was just him saying that, I mean, he said that at the introductory press conference thing. Um, but Rick's been like, you know, I'm, Taking my lead from these guys. I don't have the authority to, uh, you know, try and work him into the, the game plan or whatever. And, you know, we'll see. I think he looks great. He looks otherworldly out there in the court like I assumed he would. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. They'll, uh, they'll reevaluate, et cetera, et cetera. And Rick never duck, ducks a uh, a subject <laughs> unless he's got, like, cards that are kind of hidden usually. I think I got a pretty good re- read on Rick by, by this time. But, uh, man, I really want the dude to play just because it would set the world on fire. Um, and if you're a free agent that's like, well, maybe Dallas, and then you're like, the only thing that NBA atmosphere has been talking about for the last month is Luka and Chris Stapps. There is so much value to that. Like, you can't fake that kind of promotion. You couldn't, you couldn't buy that kind of promotion. So I want it to happen for that reason, and so free agents uh, take a second look at us um, whenever they are deciding this summer, but... All right, we got about twelve minutes left. I think we can get through most of these if we do it pretty quick. So I just took some notes of, and one of there's one big idea and some smaller ideas that are in here. I just like to do this at this time of year before we get too far away from the games that are being played and you forget all the things that you think about every night. Um, But this, this is a topic I entitled "What Has the NBA Season This NBA Season Taught Us This Mavs Season or This NBA Season Moving Forward." In free agency this offseason and into the draft and into perpetuity as basketball as we know it until there's some shift in like a four-point line or they stop shooting threes or you get to play with four people on the court or something weird happens. I think the center position in the NBA is about to turn into the NFL running back position. Yeah,
0: I guess the only thing I would would need to clarify is it's not like you can have a a wide receiver and say, all right, you play running back on these downs. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the NBA, it's not uncommon at all to have, you know, a guy that's not a center play center. Yeah. Um, But you can have
1: like a scat back and a power back and fake it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess
0: that would be the equivalent. Yeah. So uh, Miles Turner signed Mm -hmm. four for 80. Yeah. And while I would have done that, I also think there are going to be times in the playoffs where I can get his ass off the floor. Yeah. The same way that you see, you know, Embiid is a DPOI candidate, mm-hmm. and he couldn't handle Horford last
1: year. So is Miles. I mean, Miles is probably going to be top five in yeah. defensive player of the year.
0: Boy, he's coming along. He's leading the league in blocks, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So I that's the problem is that they're the easiest players to get off of the floor. Right. And that's also why I think the value of Chris Stapp's is – Undeniable oh. because at the end of the game, if you need to just have him already playing defensive five, mm-hmm. and you he just you know you put another four out there, so I tend to agree, and I think this summer will be really interesting, particularly like on your Vooch. Yeah, Valentinus um, free.
1: Uh, Valentinus is free. So yes, yeah. a guy like that. I think Gasol free too. Like this is going to be the the litness test. Like this is like I don't think anybody's making north of twenty as a center. Like I just don't think you can budget that that kind of money to that kind of minutes to guys that if you do make the playoffs you got to find a way to very carefully use them.
0: Yeah, Gobert has to be hidden from time to time and yeah. he makes 25 a year. Yeah. Same thing, you know, Capella. I don't know. I think it's
1: I think there's going to be three 3 to 5 dudes that are like Embiid, that are like Jokic, that are like Porzingis and I'm naming like top 10 players in basketball. But I think okay. there's going to be a handful of dudes that are going to be the outliers, and then everyone else is like, well, we have to play a center, I guess, to defend the other team's center, but the five minutes of that's over, we're going whatever we want.
0: Yeah, and it depends on what you think of Davis or how you classify a player like Towns, but really what you're talking about is guys who can, and Bede's shooting numbers are from deep are not good this year. Yeah, And Jokic doesn't really shoot it all that well either, but he passes so well. Basically, you're saying a guy who does more than just roll.
1: Yeah, a big a big man that you can basically your entire offense revolves around. There's so few and far between, and and Embiid and Jokic are guys that like reluctantly shoot threes, right? Because they know they have to.
0: But Jokic can do so much else that you're fine with it.
1: There's going to be a few exceptions. There's going to be a few like Le'Veon Bell's and you know your your high end running backs that can literally do everything and play every down and still get you to the playoffs and cause so many problems on the other end that you can't take them off the court, but Man, I think teams are going to start Montrez heralding it up. I yeah. mean, that's going to be their starting center, and they're going to – I mean, Capella's kind of an a advertisement for that, like 15 or 16 a year for a dude that uh, until this year, I don't think he's played north of 30 minutes ever or even like 29-ish. Um, but
0: it's interesting, though, because that relates to Powell and Kleba. Yeah. Because – I don't think of either one of them as like really above average starters, but mm-hmm. if all you're looking for is an average starter at that position, and you have Porzingis, I think you can get by with either one of those guys.
1: Yeah, I think Powell. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. I'm like, how does Powell fit next to Porzingis? And you just inv- you just flip it, right? Powell is an offensive five, um, where he sets the screen and he rolls right hard and he finishes everything. I mean, we talked about it last week. He is the bar. For offensive efficiency as a role man, he's the 100th percentile of overall half court offense. Um, if you, I don't know how you defend that. If it's Porzingis, Luca, Powell, <sighs> offensively, you give me one shooter standing out there. Yeah, it's gonna be, and I'm gonna slice and dice you. You're gonna die from one million paper cuts. Like you cannot cover that much ground. It's 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 impossible for a five man unit to cover that for 24 seconds at a time.
0: Yeah, and Powell's not a great rebounder either, but now,
1: he's better than Kleba. That's that's the that's the thing that worries me. Yeah. Is if you do get a shooter to line up there with him, it needs to be a long guy that can rebound. Because Porzingis isn't a great rebounder. He does okay for his size, right? But he's not like just this gravitational force um, on the boards. And then Powell's kind of the same way. I mean, he has short arms uh, for a dude his size. But, I mean, that works a lot whenever he's trying to finish around the basket. <laughs> and those dudes fit so well together to me. I'm like... Powell plays the five, Porzingis plays the four offensively, and then defensively you just flip it.
0: Yeah, no, I like it a lot because I don't really want Porzingis chasing fours away from the basket at all. Yeah. Especially if he's going to be moving so much on offense. But mm-hmm. man, there's some really gnarly little sets you can come up with where you have one of them roll and one of them pop like they both screen. <laughs> Yeah. And you're gonna be in you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah.
1: That's one of the things I wrote down is this NBA season's taught us that Dwight Powell's offensive basketball crack.
0: Yeah, he's like, currently fourth in roll man um, points per possession if I just go to like the top forty three.
1: That's so insane, man. I mean, he's been playing a lot of his minutes with Jalen Brunson and with like Trey Burke and dudes that by the way, he was first last year. That's so insane. Yeah. Like people don't understand the offensive value, like I get that people will say, okay, well, he can't defend this guy and that guy, and well, he's be- kind of being miscast defensively, having to defend like yeah. Jokic uh, whenever they- we play up there. That was tough, and they yeah. got to defend you. So. Yeah, they got to defend you, and I think to me, offensive basketball is sixty percent of the game; defense is forty. Um, go higher. <laughs> yeah,
0: it depends on the position, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, two other notes that so we don't have to like have a long exaggerated conversation about. Uh, I didn't realize padding rebounding stats was the thing until the first. <laughs> 30 or 40 games this season uh, by uh, the former starting center here. And then I also didn't – I I didn't realize that sometimes you can be too close to a situation and know too many things about a guy to where you don't think they have value, and then they get traded for Chris Tapp's Porzingis. <laughs> and I didn't think Den- – I did not know if Dennis had any value around the league, and it turns out he has a lot. Well, I you know, especially,
0: especially since we were just talking about Dirk and the story there, the Porzingis story will never be like Dirk's because Porzingis – uh, was so highly regarded as a child that he had cornrows. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to just the, taking the time out of your day to get the cornrows. Yeah, like, I mean that, who has that's that? That's a time? swaggy kid. Yeah. So I think um, the story though, just on the trade, obviously it depends on how the picks turn out. But I mean that deal is kind of about Dennis and really more about a very unique situation mm-hmm. where. You know, Porzingis clearly did not want to be there. Yeah. But whenever and then you, you give up two first round picks that if things go they could end up being, you know, if he can't play. I mean the second one's top ten
1: protected, right? Uh yeah, but yeah. Is, it, is it the all the way through? I think it's into forever. I think we looked this up last week. But but whenever you start uh Jurassic Parking the the dinosaur bones away, and the one thing that's actually left there that's concrete, is, it's Dennis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Dennis was the – he's the anchor of that trade. You build the things around it, and I guess you could argue next year or the first-round first, first round pick might be more valuable. I don't know. Whatever you want to – whatever you want to rank him, he is a a part of that trade that is extremely important.
0: He is, and I think also to refer back to the dirt conversation, the tweet about his rookie year, I mean, I just think in general – um, you know, we're way too quick to judge young players. Oh, for sure. And so, you know, I guess it's kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth if I'm saying don't judge Dennis that early, but I've kind of already judged Luca as a top 25 player. <laughs> yeah, only if it's positive. Yeah, that is – it's kind of weird. But it, you don't really see that many guys just absolutely crater from, you know, in their first couple of years, whereas you do see a lot of guys make huge leaps. Yeah. Um, You might see a guy who played, like, 20 games his rookie year and played really well never come close to that again but yeah. you very rarely see a guy who has the ball more than anyone in the league mm-hmm. regress all that hard
1: right and there's like one example of like Tyreek Evans right yeah guy that was like just a flash in a pan instantly on a bad team and Kinda then hurt a lot though never got better yeah that's true um okay I wrote down a bunch of big questions we won't have time to get to but I wanted to focus on one which I know my answer but I wanted to pose to you what area, statistically, or, or character trait of this team moving forward would you like to most fix? Um, and that means free agency. That means just, like, fixing the players, the natural improvement um, whenever we start game one next season.
0: Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, I do know that from the time that they made the trade until – uh now and then comparing before they've gone from being one of the two or three best rebounding teams to one of the two or three worst and that's not like you know that might not be super important um but i also think if you're gonna play the way that they play like i think they'll probably end up taking a lot more threes where did they end up in percentage of their shots that were threes this year let me look i don't know if i have the rate in front of me but they ended up fourth overall in threes i don't know i think i
1: mean they take 35.9 a game right so let me see what that is percentage wise
0: i i think i could stand for them to be uh a little bit play a little bit faster just your generic sports talk radio stuff uh i think you know luca his ability to run a break where we haven't even really seen it yet because they didn't really have any a whole lot of other speed around him, mm-hmm. especially after Dennis was gone, and even when Dennis was there, it was like they were kind of take they were doing take turns. Um, but yeah, I think rebounding and pace, because I think the sh- the shooting is going to be there. You're <laughs> again, you're inserting a guy who on five threes a game shot forty percent last year. Yeah, uh, and you're basically just removing whatever one of the bigs that you think is not going to be playing. Yeah, and there's no way Luca.
1: What's Luka at right now? Threes, he's probably
0: 35%. Man, I would be surprised if it's that high. 33.6. Ew. So that's not going to happen again. Yeah. So I, th- I guess the reason I'm not saying three-point shooting as a, as a percentage is because I know that's going to take care of itself. Yeah. Because Luka's going to sit at about 37. Porzingis is going to sit at about 38. And now, um, you know, you go from being one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league to at least being adequate with, almost automatically. Like, I really don't think they I certainly I'd like for them to sign shooting, but I think they're gonna get a significant amount of upgrade from shooting right away.
1: Yeah, I think honestly that's what I wanted. I wanted just a collection of better shooters. Cause I mean, leaning on Dorian to be your um you know, knock down guy, that's gonna hit open shots has proven not to be that effective yep. on most nights. Maxie, the same thing. Um Jalen has been shooting nice of late, but I'll take it too, dude. I, yeah. don't, I don't
0: feel like it's lucky.
1: No, I don't feel like it's lucky either. Because
0: he takes good shots.
1: Yeah, he was just reluctant to do it at first and obviously um, didn't shoot that well beginning of the season. Um, and then depending on how you feel around the edges, like I, I need one more dude that's either an elite shooter from three or you need to get me two dudes that have that skill set because I didn't feel that good about it coming into the season. I really didn't. And Luka is an effective three-point shooter I don't know if his percentages will ever get to 38, 39, 40, like, lethal numbers because he just – I mean, a lot of that – there's a lot of junk thrown into that number, right? There's a lot of heaves. There's a lot of last second of the shot clock, like, just throw the thing up. So I don't feel like I get an accurate read for his three-point percentage. And I think he's a—he's obviously a good shooter. I mean, he's had games – multiple games where he's made, like, five to six in a game. And Porzingis is going to fix a lot of that. But to me, how you go from, okay, this offense is really tough on a night to – I don't know how I defend this and they're killing me and I can't do anything about it is you add. Cause I don't know if the development is going to happen <laughs> this quickly of the dudes add two just insane shooters.
0: Well, and the problem is is that you'd you, you i you'd like to have two insane shooters in addition to Porzingis, but you also need someone to guard the other team's point guard. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to guard the other team's point guard and you're an insane shooter, you are not free. Yeah, usually. So, you know, I was looking at uh, this name the other day. Let me see if I can get the percentage before I run
1: it by you, and you're probably not going to be real happy. <laughs> uh, are you aware that Patrick Beverly is yeah. shooting 39% from free yeah. this year? Skin's been pounding that drum, and I'm like... Dude, I think that's a perfect player. No, that's a really good one. He guards he's, your one. It's a really good... And yeah. he can... He's dead-eye, at least yeah. over the last three or four seasons. And now... My only thing is, like, why are you only scoring, like, four or five points a game? It's, you know, just just natural stuff that I worry about and then having to... I don't really need him to score. I need him to be an option. I know, but I don't
0: know. Yeah, I, I get it. I've never really loved the guy's game, but it was more just based on hate.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a hater
0: than it was based on anything else. And, you know, they got, dude, they got guys who can score out there.
1: Yeah. And those playing with Lou and Gallo and it's almost like my opinion of him has been trenched through a decade of watching basketball. And like, even if he did change his game, I'm not, it's going to take a lot to bend my (laughs) opinion of that. Well,
0: because if you were able to get him in here, and especially if it was at a decent enough deal, now you've got a guy who can, I just said, you wouldn't be free. Who's a pretty good defender, a pretty good shooter. And now Let's say that Pal starts next to Porzingis. Now that other spot is a wild card. Yeah. Because I've got some shooting. Mm-hmm. I've got some def- some defense. I've got a rim protector. I've got a role man. And I've got a guy who can become the best distributor in the league. So really almost no matter where you go with your nominal three spot, mm-hmm. which is I guess what you would be filling, uh, you almost couldn't go wrong. Like yeah. more defense, more defense. Right. More shooting, more shooting. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. I think he fixes a lot. Yeah. And we already banned nobbler, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see how that would make a lot of sense. Um, another guy he gets though. Another guy that's playing insane that uh, will be on everyone's radar this off season. I believe is uh, Beverly's a nice fallback option, I guess. Um, I mean, even if there is a big signing that, that happens, I think he's a really fine player to add in the fold, but Malcolm Brogdon is, the dream you know that it, dude's oh, playing so well
0: all you're fighting there is that they're going to probably try to pull out all the stops to make sure that they don't lose Giannis yeah so they're just I feel like they're you they're know, about they're,
1: to have some issues though man I mean Brooks free they just had Miritich who is free Chris Middleton's completely free Brogdon's restricted like they better get to the finals because this season they are hitting the wall. The money wall is about to come up on them. I know, but I feel like they're... I mean, if you pay Middleton what an all-star starter gets, where's the money? Where's the money coming from? Brooke yeah. Lopez has been badass, dude. He's been so good for them. And then you just, okay, bye, Miritich. See ya. Which I think is probably the op- the the answer, but... I'd be in on that, too. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of options out there, which is good for us, but... Yeah, I, mean, I would
0: rank Brogdon above Beverly, but I also think he's going to get twice as much. Oh, yeah, for sure. Three and times
1: I'd, as much. And I'd, I'd love it. <laughs> Fine with it. Fine with whatever money that guy's – I mean, he's having a 50-40-90 season on the best team in basketball? Like, it's so insane. All right, we're about out of time. But uh, if you want to listen to this debate, the use of uh, our draft pick, if we keep it this season, listen to last week's episode. Um, some things that are on the table that we'll probably carry over is – um, the late season kind of burnout that Luke is going through. And yeah, and can he be the best player on a title contender moving forward? Which you might not have to be. Porzingis might be that. And then next week we'll probably talk about are the bones of a a contender already here if we retain our guys that we uh, have the option to retain this offseason. Thirty so. points a game next year. <laughs> Porzingis, mark it down. Get a tattoo. Five hundred dollar bet it. Oh. All right, thanks for your time, man.